Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Hey, we are excited because we're continuing with our series, I Want That Smoke, where we're talking about the glory and the power of God and how we get that implemented and applied to our everyday lives. And so I'm excited to jump right into the word of God today because I know that God has something for us. And so I want us to first Uh, We're going to read two passages of scripture. The first passage is going to come from Joshua 3. Then I'm going to jump all the way over to Joshua 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, it is absolutely fine because the scriptures are going to be behind me on the screen. Now, one thing we do here at Link Church, we just stand out of respect to the word of God. So if you could stand with me, whether you have the Bible downloaded on your app or not, let's just do that out of respect for the word of God. And so first we're going to read Joshua chapter 3, verses 8 and 11. Here's what the word of God says. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Verse 11 says, see, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now we're jumping over to Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 3 through 5. Here's what it says. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. I want to speak to you this morning from the subject, the water and the wall. Let's give uh, God a moment in prayer. God, we thank you today for what you're getting ready to do in our midst because we know it's awesome. We are just asking, God, that your glory would indeed fall in this place in an undeniable way. I thank you, God, that you are meeting every need, and I thank you, God, that you are binding the hand of the enemy and every hindrance that would want to keep your word from going forth and doing what it is supposed to accomplish. We thank you, God, because we already have victory. Let this word fall on good ground in Jesus' Jesus name amen you can take your seats again the water and the wall listen here's the thing that you need to know about me I don't really like gray areas right I don't like things that are vague and I know that they say in life everything is not black and white but what I mean is if I'm having a conversation with somebody I really actually don't want you to beat around the bush if we're talking about a particular subject be straightforward and tell me how you feel. If I've, if I've done something that you don't understand, I actually prefer for you to just tell me what's on your mind. Hey, PJ, you said this. I don't understand what you meant by that. Hey, you did this. I'm not sure what you meant like by that. But I just don't like things to be vague. I don't like gray areas. When it comes to your opinion on a matter, stand flat-footed and tell me how it is. Right? Now, the funny thing is that There are certain examples I can give you that to me are vague. So here's the first phrase. PJ, I think everyone should be vegan. And you're probably like, how is that vague? 
Like, that shouldn't be black or white. If somebody says to you, they think everybody should be vegan. But I'm like, no, that's a little vague because no, I don't really know what you mean by that. Are you trying to seek attention? Are you trying to tell me that you, you know, you're not, you know, the elevator's not going all the way up to the top? Are you trying to tell me you've had meat before, but it's never been seasoned and then also cooked to perfection? Because in my mind, why would you ever make a suggestion that anybody should go vegan? Now, if you're in here and you're vegan, listen, I know vegan people are adamant about their lifestyle, but I'm like, you must not have had a good piece of meat if you believe that fruits, vegetables, and grains are enough to get you through life. But if that's you, that's, that's for me a vague statement. It was a vague statement when I first got married. And when I say first got married, I don't mean two years into my marriage or five years into my marriage. I mean months into my marriage. My husband came home one day and he was like, I'm going to go with a couple of friends and we're going to go skydiving. That was vague to me. Are you saying you have an early death wish? Are you saying that you don't need to go be evaluated? Because we've had different cultures and ethnicities come through Link Church. But here's what, I, here's what I can say about black people. I can only talk about black people because that's my experience. But I said to him, I don't understand that because what black person in their right mind, key words are right mind, what black person in their right mind pays somebody to get pushed out of a plane? What black person in their right mind spends their hard-earned paycheck to voluntarily jump out of a plane? If y'all ever see me jump out of a plane, trust me, I didn't volunteer. And so those things are vague to me. But you know what else is vague for a lot of people is the glory of God. Because in church we hear a lot of times people say, God, we want your glory in this place. God, reveal your glory to me. God, we can't move unless your glory is here. But a lot of times I think that the church hasn't necessarily explained what the glory of God is. It's this vague, intangible concept. It's like, is the glory of God smoke and incense? Nope, y'all better stop burning that sage. And that's a message for another day because I don't have time. Is, is the glory of God something that I can't actually ever access? Is, is the glory of God for the pastor, but the glory of God is simply the presence of God. The glory of God is simply the essence of his being. And so when you hear people stand up and say, God, we need your glory in this place. What we're doing is we're saying, God, we're inviting your presence in this place. We're inviting the very essence of who you are to come in and take over and move in an undeniable way. Because God, it's not just enough for us to speak your name. We need your presence. Because it's the presence and the anointing and the power of God that makes the difference. Now, if anybody knew anything about the glory of God, it certainly would be the children of Israel. Because they had something called the Ark of the Covenant. And this is before God revealed himself to us as Jesus in the flesh. So this is B.C. And, and the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to represent where God would dwell. And for some people... They feel as if they meet God when they're at the water. Because for a lot of people, water is a place to relax. I'm not really a mountains girl. I prefer the beach, right? And it's because, you know, for me, <laughs> pulling out my journal and running into a mountain lion, that's not relaxing for me. 
pulling out a pen and a good book and a highlighter and running into, you know, a fox, a wolf. Would it fox say? I don't know because I'm not around them. So I place myself in positions where I can be near water. And so for a lot of people, you're like that too. The beach, the river, the lake, water is a place where you feel like you can relax, where you feel like your mind can just kind of go, where you feel like you can hear God clearly because there's nothing else around you but the water and the voice of God. But more than the water is a place of relaxation, water is also representative of a place of transition. When we read Joshua chapter 3, which is the passage that we started out with, we see the children of Israel having to cross the Jordan. They were at a body of water, and it was a place of transition. And the thing about transition is if the pandemic has done nothing else, it has brought many of us to a place of transition. Many times we look up over the past year and a half and what we've had to do and we've transitioned in ways that we didn't even think we would ever have to transition. A lot of times or a lot of families notice that parents all of a sudden became employees but also homeschool teachers. A transition that they didn't see coming. People found themselves uh, having more time to evaluate where they really were in life. And so people transitioned out of companies and out of careers. People transitioned out of ministries and found themselves from one ministry to another because God was shifting and transitioning. Some people even found themselves in a relationship or out of a relationship as a result of the pandemic because they found themselves at the water and the water was their place of transition. People also found themselves fighting demons they never thought they'd have to fight or confront. For some people, for uh, uh, the spirit of depression visited them frequently as a result of this pandemic. Because I don't care how introverted you are, none of us was made to be on an island and separated from people. That's not how we're wired. So the loneliness and the separation, the inability to go to work and go to school and go to church, depression set in. For some people, they started fighting the demons of low self-esteem and anxiety because they had more time to sit with their thoughts. They had more time to evaluate who they were and where they were and so now people realize I am at a place of transition I'm at a place of water but the thing about it is that for many of you the pandemic did not represent peaceful transition it didn't represent water that brought calm or relaxation but instead it represented water that made you feel as if you were going to drown one thing I noticed about here in Joshua chapter 3 is that if you continue to read the chapter, the Bible tells us that during the harvest season, the Jordan River would be flooding. It would be overflowing. And the children of Israel were having to cross Jordan at harvest time when there would have been a flood. And yet we don't see them drown like Pharaoh did in the Red Sea, but we see them cross over and transition successfully. And you want to know why they did not drown, but they crossed successfully? Look at how God instructed the children of Israel. He told Joshua to have the priests stand in the middle of the Jordan. 
And you may be saying, well, no wonder they crossed successfully. The priests were standing in the middle of the Jordan. And priests would have been uh, people that we would expect to have deep prayer lives. And priests would be people that we would be, expect know the Torah and the word of God very well. Priests would be people that we would expect would keep kosher. So maybe while one of the children of Israel is quietly on the side getting a piece of bacon, we expect a priest to never break that dietary rule. Uh, we expect that a priest would have enough of himself that if he stood in the Jordan, that of course they crossed successfully. But it wasn't necessarily because the priests were in the Jordan. Why? the Jordan River dried up for the children of Israel it's because the priests were standing there with the Ark of the Covenant the priests were there with the glory and the presence of God and if you feel as if you're in a place in your life where you cannot transition successfully and you feel as if you are drowning by everything that's around you you've got to check who or what is in the water with you because if you're just taking your pastor with you, that's not enough. Because yes, we pray, and yes, we fast, and we intercede, but we are not God. So what happens tomorrow when you're in the water? What happens on Wednesday when you're in the water? What happens Saturday night before you get to church and you're in the water? You better have more than a priest standing with you. You better have the glory and the presence of God in the water if you're going to cross over. And some of us do not have the presence of God in the water. We have our pain in the water with us. And it's our pain that we're using to help us cross over. And it's your pain that's keeping you from going into your future. Because, see, painful people stay in the past. It's healthy and healed people that move on to the future. Doesn't mean that they don't remember what happened to them. Does not mean that they don't even acknowledge what happened to them. But it's the person that's being led by their pain that's stuck in a Jordan River that is flooding. It's the person that is healed from their pain that sees the waters retreat and they're able to transition some of us are in the water with our fear because your fear is telling you that you can't make this move you don't have what it takes you don't know people who have what it takes you don't have resources you don't have support you don't have backing but a person who has overcome their fear starts to see the waters recede because a person of faith will say, I may not see all the resources I need to see now, but I do know that where God guides, he provides. And so if I'm going to cross this Jordan, I'm going to have to let fear drown and faith is going to have to lead the way because I'm at the water, but this water is not going to take me under. Some of us are in the water simply with our emotions. Our emotions are leading the way. And I don't know about you, but I have learned from my own personal experience time and time again that emotions are not reliable. 
because emotions will tell you that when you're angry and when you're sad, you've got to stop. And you can only move forward if you feel good. You can only attend church if you feel like it. By the way, here's a sidebar. Do you think your pastors always feel like coming to church? Some Sundays I say, I love y'all, but boy, I also would love being in Turks and Caicos. But I also understand that, and, and, and that Sunday is coming. But for this Sunday, I had to be here because I was on assignment, and so I could not be led by my emotions. I had to be led by my assignment. And so some of you are not transitioning successfully because you're being drowned by your emotions. And God is saying, but if you could focus on your assignment and not how you feel, maybe the waters would recede and you'd be able to transition successfully. We can't assume that the priest that carried the ark felt like standing in the water. Some of them might have said, listen, I know the Bible shows us that, that the priests and the children of Israel overall were supportive of Joshua. We see that. But you think there maybe wasn't like one priest who was like, listen, Joshua, I'm not a swimmer. And so I'm not going to be able to stand with the ark in the water. Like I could stand maybe outside the water. I could be praying. I could be reading from Torah, reciting scripture, but like standing in. The, you want me to get in the water? Do you think Joshua necessarily felt like leading them through the water? Because Joshua had been working under Moses. He'd seen how much these people could complain. He'd seen how much these people could uh, be disobedient. And yet Joshua and the priests moved past their emotion. And they, well, as we say now, understood the assignment. They had to obey in order to cross over. And so if you're in a place in your life right now where you're saying, I'm in transition, but I'm not transitioning successfully, you have to check who or what is in the water with you. Because if it's not God, you will not cross over and transition successfully. But then some of you are saying, but PJ, I, I crossed over successfully and I'm still frustrated. Like, I, I crossed over. I, I, I teamed up with the new ministry when God told me to, to transition. I went and got the new job when God told me to get it. I exited that relationship or I entered that relationship as soon as God told me. And yet, I'm still feeling some, uh, some oppression. I'm, I'm still feeling an obstacle. I'm still feeling like something is in my way. What is it exactly that's going on? And I want to let you know that you're not crazy if you've already transitioned but you're still feeling a little bit uh, down and you're still feeling like uh, you're pushing up against something and it's not moving it's because you may have come out of the water but now you're facing the wall because see in chapter three if we stop reading Joshua uh, right there we're gonna think that it ended well and the children of Israel had nothing left to do if we end at chapter three we think that chapter three is the fairy tale storybook ending and they're good but if you get over to chapter 6, you see now they have to face the wall of Jericho. And some of you, you are confused because you say, but I obeyed God and I transitioned. So why am I still being met with opposition? It's because the wall is your place of overcoming, overtaking, and possession. The Jordan was just the point where they were crossing over. But the wall of Jericho, where's the point where they had to now overcome? 
And so if you think that because you make one transition, it's going to be smooth sailing from there, I've got to let you know that that's just not how it works because after the water comes the wall. When we launched this church four years ago, some of you who are uh, new here or may not have heard the story before, we were in Steel Creek. We were in the Steel Creek area of Charlotte. And for those of you that are from here, you're like, what is Steel Creek? Because when we would run into people here during that time and they'd say, where do you guys pastor Steel Creek? Whoa, I can't drive that far. I'm like, now y'all drive further than that to Carowinds, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Um, go to Atlanta for dinner, but can't drive 30 minutes to Steel Creek. But anyway, I said I wasn't talking about it. I said I wasn't. Okay. Let me, re let me just refocus. And see, y'all have to learn my personality. My husband's more straightforward. I'm going to give you a little sarcasm, a little razzle-dazzle. Okay? Um, but when we first launched this church, we were in the Steel Creek area of Charlotte. And we didn't know it then, but what we realize now is that that was simply our Jordan. We thought that was our wall, but it was our Jordan. See, the Steel Creek area is the where is the place where we transitioned into learning, uh, starting to learn what it is to truly pastor. Steel Creek area is the place where we crossed over and we started to see salvations and we started to see some people who joined the church who are still staples and working hard in the ministry now. Uh, the, the, the Steel Creek area was the place where we had to transition and then the pandemic hit and we wondered what we should do and doors started to close in that area so we said God let's expand our search and we found this building even before it went on the market by the way praise God hallelujah we found this building and we realized that now that we've transitioned to this part of Charlotte the work is not over in fact it's just beginning because Steel Creek was the Jordan but now we're at the Jericho now we have to overcome and actually take possession of the part of the city that God has planted us in now we have to actually take possession of those that are in this part of the city that are bound by tradition now we have to actually take possession of the people in this city that are crumbling and feeling as if that there's nothing left for them but to die now we've got to overcome every satanic attack and every demonic force that would want to keep us for him from uh, succeeding but what God reminded me is that this part of Charlotte is not the end it is the beginning and it is time for you to overtake overcome and possess and so some of you are at a wall in your life you feel like you're pushing up against something and it won't move you're praying for something and it can't get answered you're fasting about something and it won't break god am i in the wrong place god am i in the near the wrong people god am i at the wrong church he says no it's just that i brought you to a wall now you're getting ready to march and overcome Because you're at a wall and many of us stop when we get to a wall that's what the enemy likes he likes for us to get to a wall and stop God wants you to get to a wall and start marching okay God what's my marching orders okay God what do I have to do to break this down okay God how are we gonna make this work because where the enemy sees hindrance God sees an open heaven and if you could start looking at your wall as an opportunity for God to do his good work you would
would see that wall fall. Because most of us get to a Jericho wall and we stop marching, you know, after the third time. We start marching after the fifth time. Even the sixth time, we're done. But look at what happened when the children of Israel got to the Jericho wall. For six days, God had them march around the wall, but he told them not to say anything. Now, that would have been hard for me. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, let me quickly, let me turn to Ephesians 5. Talks about how wives should behave. Ephesians 5. It would have been difficult for me because people, some people are like, oh my gosh, my love language is like gifts. I'm like, ah. Some people are like, oh, my love language is words of affirmation. I'm like, oh, but if so, I don't know why, like talking and conversation, like, that is my love language, you know? And so God has a sense of humor. So he had me marry somebody who's not a talker. <laughs> that I don't, you know, um, so <laughs> that, that is what it is, but. And if that's you, you can also uh, join a connect group. How to be a talkative spouse while married to a non-talkative spouse. We got something for everybody. So he tells them, march around the Jericho wall for six days and don't say anything. On the seventh day, you're going to shout with a loud voice. And the wall falls. But here's what's interesting is that even the six days when they said nothing, they had the Ark of the Covenant with them. Look at that again. Isn't that interesting? At the water, you need the glory of God. And when you get to the wall, you still need the glory of God. There's like never a time when you don't need the presence of God at work in your life. And sometimes we get through the, the water and we feel like, well, now I've got this. Now I know how to do this. Now I know what prayers to pray. And then Jericho Wall says, ha ha, oops, bet you don't. And so I said, but God, what do you want me to see about the wall? Because when I grew up in church, we, we always just talked about the children of Israel marching around the Jericho wall. And the seventh day, they shouted with a loud voice. And, like, it was great. Everybody just went in and made themselves at home. But God said, here's what I need you to notice. First of all, we know seven is the number of completion, right? And he's like, the seventh day, I was giving them complete victory. But the reason why they knew how to shout was because of my presence. Go, go with me here. He said to me, if they had marched around the wall without my presence guiding them, they still may have shouted, but they would have shouted the wrong thing, which would have only served to fortify the wall, not tear it down. You can only shout with victory if God is at present and at work in your life. So some of us are at a wall and like the children of Israel, we're shouting at it. But we're shouting defeat because we're marching around the wall and we're saying my finances ain't going to never be right. I'm always going to be poor because everybody in my family's always been poor. I'm never going to get the job I want. I'm never going to get a job with benefits. And so you're marching around the wall and you're shouting, but you're shouting defeat. So the wall gets stronger. Some of you are marching around around the wall but you're shouting shouts of comparison their ministries always seem to be bigger than mine they always seem to get more engagements than me I guess I'm not as good as them I guess I'm not as anointed as them and so you're marching around the wall but the words of comparison 
are fortifying and strengthening the wall. Some of you are marching around the wall, but you're shouting at the wall and you're shouting and you're saying that, oh my goodness, this wall has to fall on my time and this wall has to fall when I want it to and it has to fall how I want it to. But God says that you know whether or not somebody is taking marching orders from me based on what's coming out of their mouth. The children of Israel were shouting with a voice of triumph. They shouted with a voice of victory and that is why the wall fell. But they would not have done that without the presence and the glory of God at work because it's God's presence that shifts your perspective. If you march around a wall without the presence of God, you will think that the wall cannot fall. It's crazy to think that a wall will fall just because you shout. Well, typically and generally speaking, walls don't fall just because you shout, but the wall responds depending on how you shout. And if I shout with victory and if I shout with faith and if I shout with power and if I shout with anointing and if I shout with conviction, Nigeria wall doesn't stand a chance and it falls and I'm able to overcome, overtake and possess and so some of you are saying I've been shouting at my wall and it won't move well you need to ask yourself who's marching around with you <laughs> you, had, you had God with you in the water but you got to the wall and now you don't think you need him that's why some of us are where we are today. That's why society is where it is today. Because some, some of us started out with God and he, he got us through the water. But now we think we've arrived. And we get to a wall and all of a sudden we have no power. You know why some of these churches overseas mock the American church? Because some American churches wouldn't know the glory of God if it hit them in the face. Because we are here and we're marching around expecting demons to tremble just because we said so. We're expecting people to get saved just because we said so. We're expecting people to get healed and set free and chains to be broken and loose because we said so it's never because we said so it's because God said so because it's not by our might nor is it by our power but it's by my uh oh my spirit by my glory by my presence says God <laughs> you think you can do this on your own and for as long as you're determined to make the Jericho wall fall because of what you say, you will be standing there and you will continue marching until you're blue in the face. And God is saying to us that I want you to have the glory back. I need the presence to be back. Not just in the physical building, in your life. Because the great thing about Jesus is that he came so that we wouldn't have to carry around an ark every time we needed his presence. But we could carry him right within us everywhere we go. See, if you have the glory of God for real, you should be able to walk into a chaotic situation and there's peace. You should be able to walk into a dead situation and there's life. You should be able to walk next to the sick and they're healed. Not because of who you are, but because of the God in you that stands up and shifts the atmosphere around you. Now I told you that I didn't like vague things. 
And some of you are like, oh, PJ, you're leaving me in a spot that still feels vague. Because you told me that, that, that the glory of God is basically the presence of God, the essence of who God is. But you still haven't told me how to access that today, how to apply that to my life today. How do I get access to the glory of God? And you know what I love about God is just as much as his glory is not a vague concept, accessing it is not vague either. And here's the kicker, because you're like, okay, here she goes. She's getting ready to drop a bomb. All right, get your pens out, get your device out, because here's how you access the glory of God. Are y'all ready? Okay, one person's ready, so they're going home with the glory. <laughs> you access the, power, the glory of God by invitation. I'm actually not going to drive because my husband would be upset. <laughs> Mic drop, um, you know, for fake. And y'all are like, okay, ma'am, what do you need? What do you mean? The glory of God is accessed by invitation. So are we waiting for God to invite us? God already invited us on Calvary when he died and shed his blood. He's waiting for you to invite him in. So the difference between a person who crosses their water successfully and is drowned by the water or the circumstances in their life is simply an invitation one person invited God in the other person decided to do it on their own the difference between a person who sees the Jericho wall fall and the person who marches around it for years and years with no end in sight is simply an invitation one person invited God in the other person decided to do it on their own and if you think that you don't have to invite the glory of God if you think you don't have to invite God God in I want to point you to a scripture where Jesus said behold I stand at the door and knock in other words I'm knocking invite me in reminds me of someone I know who lives overseas and the person said to me a couple years ago Jen one day I'm gonna take a flight to the US and I'm going to surprise you. And I'm just not going to tell you when I'm coming. I'm just going to knock on your door. And I said, you are going to be the one surprised. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised. You, 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 you think that because you knock on my door and you came from thousands of miles away that I have to open it. You can knock on my door like that if you want to. And as soon as I hear a knock, I'm going to say, Alexa, play. You keep a knocking, but you can't come in because you didn't give me a warning. You didn't give me a heads up. So I'm not going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked. Okay? You can pack your bag. Pack your little suitcase if you want to. Pack it up. But I hope you also made a reservation because the Watson Inn will not be housing you without advance notice. But God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And God simply was saying to me today when I said, God, how do they access your glory? I was waiting for this big, booming answer. And he said, Jen, I'm simply waiting for them to invite me in. I want to help them cross, but they're determined to do it in their own way. They're determined to use man-made methods. They're determined to use this new age theology, and I never sanctioned that. Uh, God is saying they're wondering why their Jericho wall isn't falling. It's because they're dibbling and dabbling in things that I did not ask them to dabble in. I didn't ask you to use the world standards. I didn't ask you to conjure up a solution in your own mind. I simply 
mess. I'll make everything right. I'll solve every problem. I'll answer every question. All I need is an invitation. Because some of us are too embarrassed to let God in. Because we say, God, you can't come in my house. It's a mess. You can't come in my heart. It's a mess. You can't come in my situation. It's a mess. And while somebody may come into your house and say, this is a mess. I'm not staying here. God comes into a mess and he says, this is awesome. This is where I do my good work. The messier, the better. All I need you to do is open up the door and invite me in. And God came for somebody today who is tired of being drowned by their river, who's tired of not being able to march around their wall. And he's saying, if you're tired, all I need is an invitation. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to have the answers. That's what I'm for. I don't need you to have the strategies. That's what I'm for. But I do need you to open the door. You can stand because I'm done. The water and the wall. Everyone's going to face a Jordan River. And everyone's going to face a wall. The only question here is, are you going to transition successfully? Are you going to see your wall fall successfully? And if you are, then it's simply by invitation. God is asking somebody today to let him in. And sometimes the Jericho wall is simply the wall that we put up. And now it's hard to get it down. But God says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if you want to see a shift, if you want to see a change, if you want to see a transition, all you have to do is let me in. Our prayer team is coming because they're ready to pray with you. They're ready to pray for you. I know somebody came in here today tired. Tired of feeling like you're drowning. Tired of feeling like your back is against the wall and no matter how many times you march around it, no matter how many times you shout at it, it doesn't change. So what we're going to do at this time is I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. And this first altar call is going to be for somebody who maybe hasn't even given their life to Christ. You've not even transitioned into the abundant life. If, if that's you and you want to be saved, can you lift your hand for me so I can see you? If you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, raise your hand so that we can see you. Now this next call is for the person who says, yep, PJ, that's me, I'm tired. I, I want to transition. I want to cross this water successfully. Life is drowning me. Life is choking me. Life is causing me to feel as if I cannot win. I'm tired of this wall. I'm tired of it not breaking. I'm, my legs are getting tired from marching. My voice is getting tired of shouting. What can I do? And God is saying, I just want you to invite me in. And so our prayer partners are here to stand with you as you invite God in. There's still time if you need to come. There's still time. And while 
our prayer partners are praying for those that have come the rest of us are going to keep our eyes closed and we're going to pray at this time god we give you thanks today for being the god of the water and for being the god of the wall thank you god that you have given us the tools that we need to cross over and the tools that we need to overcome thank you god that your power and your glory is not an inaccessible concept but it's something that we can have in our everyday lives it's something that we can apply to who we are and where we're going thank you for the reminder that your glory god is necessary at every stage in our life even if we've crossed the water god we need you at the wall there will never be a time jesus where we don't need you so we ask you and we invite you to come in and let your glory reside we invite your presence in our lives god we invite your presence in our situation we invite your presence and your glory in our hearts and in our minds we ask god that you would shift us like only you can shift us god help us to not turn back but to move forward we've got our marching orders now and we're pressing in we've got our marching orders now and we're leaning in we've got our marching orders now and we will shout with a voice of triumph because God you have given us the victory God I pray that every person that is here today would take your glory with them as they leave this place so that no matter what they face in the days to come the weeks to come the months to come they will experience your glory I thank you God that you are present with us that you live in us thank you God that you are at work and you're gonna do what only you can do and now we serve hell notice that we now have our strategy we can no longer be hindered or held up because we have invited God in and now the wall has to fall we thank you God for all things we thank you for what you've done and for what you're getting ready to do we give you thanks we give you glory we give you honor and we give you praise in Jesus name amen we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.